welcome to CMF Digital, where the unadulterated word of God comes to you wherever you are. A revelation that will fulfill his internal plan. So God's issue is not the mistake you have made, of course. He might not be in agreement with the mistake, but he loves you too much to allow your mistake to stop your future. That's how God thinks. Do you understand what I said? God loves you too much. He might not like what you did, but he loves you too much to, to, to just allow whatever you have done to stop you from what you are supposed to become. Otherwise, why did Jesus come to die for you? Am I helping you? Say the thoughts of God concerning my life, concerning my family, concerning Ghana, concerning Africa, concerning the world. They are good thoughts. Yeah. It's very important for you to understand this. So God has a certain thought. And based on the thought he has, he has a plan. So God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for every aspect of this life. He has a plan. He has a certain policy that have been put together by the eternal counsel of God to be executed on earth. But all these plans that God has is actually in heaven. <laughs> Am I helping someone? Oh, all the plans that any president can have are actually documented and they become policies that are supposed to direct how the economy or how the affairs of a nation is supposed to be directed towards so that is why so we could have the, the president of ghana can have so many plans he meets with his, his council they sit down they take decisions and bring about policies that is supposed to govern every other aspect of the country in a certain way but all these policies the fact that they've decided it does not mean that it's been implemented there is a difference between formulating policy and implementation of policy the policies can be formulated. The policies are not formulated here on earth. These policies of God are formulated in heaven. However, the place for their execution is not heaven, it's earth. So the challenge is not the formulation of the policy. The challenge is the implementation of the policy. Am I helping someone? I'm taking it somewhere so that you can understand. So God has a certain policy formulation concerning your life. God has a certain policy formulation concerning the country, concerning so many things. The Bible said, according to scripture, the Bible said that, for I know the plans I have for you. I know. The Bible said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God had prepared, past tense, for those who love him. So God has prepared a lot of things. But all these things are actually in heaven. Forever, O oh God, thy word. It's settled where? But God, we don't need your word there. We need it here. They are formulated there, but they are supposed to be manifested here. Hallelujah. Please, I hope you are getting the point. I'm taking my time to build the case well. So, when we go back to our scripture, Matthew 18, 18. So, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be losing in heaven. Actually, if you look at this, in the New Testament, whatever you bind on earth, this expression is used twice. One is in Matthew. All of them are in Matthew. One is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. So let's go to Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll, we'll compare and contrast and get some powerful things there. All right. 
And I will give you, if you are starting with N, so let's go back to 18. Okay, 17. Okay. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bajona, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Of course, this is a popular story that everybody knows by this time. Jesus went to a particular location called Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, what do people say that I am? And everybody began to talk. That some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are one of the prophets. And Jesus turned to them and said, okay, this is what the general masses think. But you people who have been working with me for some time now, what do you think I am? Everybody kept quiet, apart from Peter. Can you imagine? When Jesus asked, what do people, it is very easy to know people's opinion. What do people think? Everybody started, oh, so, uh, uh, people. Some of them say you are John the Baptist. Some of them say you are Elijah. Some say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus says, okay, that is people's opinion. Now you people who have been working with me, what is your personal perception about me? Everybody was quiet. I was surprised they were not answering like the way the first one. When immediately Jesus asked, Jesus, Jesus didn't even end the statement. They began to talk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It presupposes that it is very easy for you to say what other people, the revelation other people have about him. But sometimes it's very difficult to have a personal revelation about him. But God is not just interested in what other people have said about him. He's more interested in what, what do you think about him? What is your personal revelation about him? Because that's what stays with you. Anyway, let me, let's continue. And I also say to you that you are Peter. So Peter decoded the identity of Jesus. That all the things people are saying about you, that is not it. You are actually the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus said, come on, Simon, Bajona, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This identity, you didn't get it from any human being. This identity came straight by revelation. It was revealed to you. You didn't speak, you, you happened to speak human language, but the revelation that you used, the revelation you got to put it in human language actually came from the Father. Then Jesus said that because of this revelation you have heard about me, about who I really am, based on this, I'm also telling you, I'm also bringing you your revelation. Anytime you happen to have a revelation about who Christ is, it results in a revelation about who you are. You didn't hear that. I'm saying that. Anytime you have a revelation about who Christ is, anytime you get to know who Christ is and what he has done for you, automatically by your having insight into Christ, the son of the living God, that's being born again, automatically God reveals something about yourself to you. So he said that though you have discovered me, but let me also discover you. Actually, I say to you, though you are called Simon, but actually in the realm of the spirit, your true identity is that you are Peter. And upon this rock, the rock there is Petra. The Peter there is Petros, and this one is Petra. Petra is actually it's a mass rock. So he was not just speaking to Peter, he was speaking to all the disciples. So upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The next verse. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you, you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. So you see the same expression. So now let's compare what is happening here. What is happening here is, this is Peter 
having a revelation of who Christ is, who Jesus is, the true identity of Jesus, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, okay, that's powerful. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But I also say to you, because you have been able to reveal my identity, understood who I am, as far as your life is concerned, I'm also bringing you into a certain revelation of yourself. Though you are Simon, but Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah, but actually, as far as God's policy direction for your life is concerned, if I check into the archives of heaven, the plan that God has written about your life, you are called Simon on earth, but actually in heaven, your name is actually Peter, your true identity. It means that it is possible to live all your life on earth and you, have, you, you, you live life with a wrong identity. It's a dangerous thing. Only for you to one day go to heaven and God opens the book concerning your life and you realize that the life you lived on earth is way, way below the life God expected you to live. And that should be your fear. God has a plan for your life. It is possible on earth for you to live a life totally different from the life God meant you to live. Who, how many of you understand what I'm saying? I get what I'm saying. It's too serious to the point that this is what makes someone like... Imagine if David didn't come into the reality of who he was, who, what he was meant to be. It means he would have died as a shepherd. That's how serious it is. And it's not only about him. That means that the whole nation of Israel will have been stranded because of one man's destiny. If it's all about your life, then that will have been fine. If you die, you die alone. <laughs> But there is something about you, and as far as God's plan for your life is concerned, and his policy direction for your life is concerned, it's connected to too many lives. I don't know who I'm talking to. That's why you have to handle your life with care. It matters a lot. Okay. But society can give you a life. Family can give you a life, which might be contrary to God's original plan for your life. And that's our greatest struggle. Anyway, but tonight... We will lose some things and buy some things. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay, so now, so Jesus said that you are Peter, blah, blah, blah. Then Jesus said that by virtue of this, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So it means that what fights the church is actually the gates of hell. The gate of hell is what fights the church. The church is not fought by human. Everything, the, the gate of, of hell actually agitates policies and human beings to do things against the church. Because here Jesus reveals to us the greatest enemy of the church is the gate of hell. The gates actually represent authority. That is the place. Gates in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, are places where decisions are taken concerning a city, concerning a country, concerning a town. The gates. The Bible said that the previous 31 woman, the Bible said that and her husband is known at the gates where the elder sits. So the gate is the place where authority sit to, to make decisions, to legislate on behalf of a city. So in the same way, the gate of hell actually talks about the authority that hell has against the church. But Jesus said that if I am the one building the church, no policy direction from hell has the power to cripple the church. That is why I believe that every fellowship, both CMF and any other fellowship or any other ministry, that people, if it is God doing it, no matter what the enemy will try to do, it can only grow and get better. No matter. Because Jesus is saying that I will be... That means that if you build a church and it's not him, of course, the gates of hell will prevail. But if he is the one behind building, then you don't have a problem. It presupposes that, let me take it just from church, it presupposes that anything about your life, if it is him who initiated it 
and if it is him who is doing it irrespective of whatever the enemy will plan against you it's not a factor because as long as he's the one building it through you that means that the kind of future you expect to see the, the various things you want to happen to your life if it's initiated by god then no gate of hell has the power to stand against you because the church is not just a building the church are people who come together so it means that you yourself as an individual you are a member of the church so what it means is that the gate of hell does not just fight against the corporate body the gate of hell also fight against the individual members of the church and whatever they are and whatever they are supposed to become the gate of hell try to prevent them that is the agenda of the gate of hell am i helping someone yeah. are you getting the point yeah. and the only way to overcome the advancement of the gate of hell the bible said i will build it i will build it i will build it the bible said that for the bible said that oh, except the lord builds the house the builder builds in vain Except the Lord watches over the city, they that watches, they watches in vain. They watch in vain. The, the Bible said, except the Lord builds, they build in vain. So let's, I'm, I'm taking it to a place, please, so please follow me. Except the Lord builds, they labor in vain that builds it. So look at it. Except the Lord builds, they labor in, in vain. I thought that except the Lord builds, they will not build. That's not what the Bible said. Except the Lord builds. If the Lord does not build, then they are not supposed to build. But the Bible is saying that, except the Lord build, even if the Lord has not built, they will still build. Am I helping you? Yeah. Except the Lord builds, they labor in vain. That builds it. That means they will still go ahead and build, but God is not in it. The fact that you are building anything in your life does not mean that it's a policy direction from heaven. It means that it is possible to build anything you want to build, and yet God is still not involved. The fact that you are having results does not mean that it's coming from God. That's what it means. And the Bible calls it in vain. Because when the gate of hell strikes one day, you will not have foundation to sustain it. Because, hey, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It is not in what you are able to do. It is in the kind of foundation that is supporting what you are doing. Because if your foundation is destroyed, there is not, that means that everything you are capable of doing is rooted in your foundation. So the key is not what you can do. If the key is not what potential do I have, what ability do I have, what can I do, that's not the point. It is on what platform, on what foundation are you projecting those things? Because if the foundation is tempered with, the righteous cannot do anything. So that presupposes that the Bible said there is no other foundation that has been laid except that which has been laid, which is Christ. So it means that anything in your life, anything in your life, in your family, in any aspect of your life which is not built by God, the gate of hell, when it comes, it shall prevail. But Jesus said, I will build the church. I see God build you. I see God use you. Initiate things. As far as his policies are concerned. And no gate of hell has the power to stand against you. I don't care the kind of marriages in your family. But when you know that it is God initiating a particular marriage, you are not threatened by the gate of hell that fights against marriages in your family. Why? Because you know the foundation of the marriage. That is why it's not just enough to just think you like someone. It goes beyond that. Because when the gift of your strike against your marriage, your like will disappear. Anyway, let me change the topic. Let's go ahead. Am I helping someone? Praise the Lord. Everything will be fine, okay? Okay, so let's go back to Matthew 18, 18. I just want to... All right. The next 17, sorry. 17, quickly. 18, 17. No. 
1817. Okay, now this, if you read it in context well, there's a difference between whatever you buy in here, whatever you buy in Matthew, chapter 16. There are two different things. Though the same expression is used. That's why I'm making us read it in context. Now, here, Jesus is actually addressing the issue of having a brother who has offended you. Okay, so let's start from 15. We are trying to do some Bible study so that we can get into prayer. Okay, so moreover, if your brother sins against you and go and tell, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. So Jesus is showing us how relationships are handled in kingdom perspective. That if someone has offended you, the first step to, to take is not to go and report to your roommate. That is not... No, Jesus is showing us how relationships are conducted in the kingdom and when there are issues. Because you have to understand that we live in a... Though we are in the world, we operate by a different set of rules in the kingdom. Am I helping you? There is a way where people go about their thing and there's a way the kingdom also will go about their thing. So Jesus is saying that if someone has offended you, the first thing to do is not to go and report the person. Because sometimes the person doesn't even know what he has done. Jesus is saying that the first thing to do is to go and see the person and let the person know that this thing you did, I was not very happy about it. And the Bible said that if, that means that God is aware. God is aware that sometimes you go and even say it and the person will not mind you. But it does not stop you from letting the person know that what you did, I didn't like it. Am I making sense? But if you think that you cannot, then keep quiet. And don't go and see the person. But if you also don't go and see the person and point the person's fault to the person that, oh, this thing you did, I was not very happy about it, blah, blah, blah. And you keep it to yourself. Don't let it generate into bitterness. Other than that, you are not obeying kingdom principle. Because Jesus said, go and tell him. You say, no, you don't go tell him. You go keep it to yourself. <laughs> anyway, so if he hears you, the Bible says, if he hears you, then you have gained, you have gained your brother. The next verse. But if he will not hear, so Jesus is aware. Provisions have been made for that. If you will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. <laughs> have, you, have you read it before? This kingdom living about dealing with, you know, in the kingdom of God, there are policy direction and not just policy direction, there are there are principles under govern every area of our life in the kingdom. There's a way God expects you to live. Which, is, which, is, which most of the time is opposite the worldly system. So it will be as if you're a fool, but you're not a fool. The Bible said the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Please, are you, are you getting the point? Don't sleep. Oh, this is not the time to sleep. Anyway. <laughs> So, so the Bible said that if he doesn't listen to you, go and bring another brother or a sister or two people and go to him. So that at least in the, in the amount of two or three. That means that you don't establish any case when you hear just one thing. Hearing one thing from someone came to tell some of you, immediately you hear someone say, oh, this person says so, so, and so, you conclude. The Bible said that before you conclude on a thing, in the amount of two or three, before you can conclude on something. That's why it's not advisable when you are handling people when there, there's an issue between two people, you have to listen to all the side. Don't just listen to one. Okay, the next verse. And if he refuses to hear them, hey, this guy, tell it to the church. 
So now you have to bring it to the church. So bringing it to the church means bringing it to the head of the, of the ministry. But if he refuses, even to hear the church, let him be to you like a hidden and a task collector. That means that that brother who doesn't like to be corrected when he has offended you, the Bible said that treat him as someone who is not even a believer. Because he's not behaving as such. Then the next verse. Assuredly. So this one is in contest. Assuredly, I say to you. Because Jesus is continuing what he was discussing. It's about reconciling a brother and sorting out issues. So assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So in contest, he was actually saying that whatever the church would decide, as far as he's concerned, he's fine with it. Do you understand? Whatever you, he's talking to the church about this. Because you see, when you are interpreting scripture, don't take it out of context. When you take it out of context, you can get an insight. You can get a certain revelation. But sometimes, if you take it too much further away, you might enter into error. So the primary interpretation is by the context. Then you can have secondary interpretation. You can just take it out of context and get whatever you bind on it. Want to lift up our voice and pray. The Bible said, Matthew chapter 18 verse 18. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Say today, today, you know. <laughs> I bind, I bind, you know. So though what you are saying is in scripture, that if the scripture you are quoting, of course we understand the spirit of what you are saying, but your doctrine, the verse you are using is the wrong verse. <laughs> so here we realize that he's saying that he's dealing with dealing with a brother or dealing with a sister in the body of Christ. So whatever the church would decide based on what he has decided is fine. Other verse, if you read Amplify, is the, he said that whatever you bind, that is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, that is already loosed in heaven. Huh. So there are things that heaven has declared justice, um, judgment on. So you execute them here. Uh, and then, so it's either way. So that's it. So in order for us to tackle our subject well, this is not the scripture we are supposed to use. We are supposed to use Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Do you understand? Please do get it. So the proper scripture is supposed to be Matthew 16, 19. So that's where I will talk from. Matthew 16, 19. Uh -huh. Oh, I'll conclude right now. The way people are sleeping, small, small. I see people sleeping, small, small. I'll start mentioning your name by prophetic word. <laughs> okay, so I think that this one can now drive it home better for us as compared to the first one. Because the first one, if you read it in, because the first one, surely I say unto you, whatever you bind, because you are dealing with. So the church will take a certain decision. They can prohibit or permit. To bind is to prohibit. To bind is to restrain. To bind is to prevent. To, to disallow. But then to loose is to permit. To allow. I hope you are getting it. So whatever the church decides to allow or not to allow, the Bible said that heaven will support. I hope you are getting the point. So that's what it means. However, when we come to Matthew chapter 16, he says that, look at how it, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And, so we don't just wake up and bind and loose. There are keys you must get before you can do that. <laughs> do you understand? This one is different from what we read in Matthew. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm, because he's saying that, you can't just say that, whatever you bind, he said, and whatever you bind, what is the basis or what is giving you that confidence 
that authoritative impulse to think that when you buy something, you'll be bound. The Bible says, because I'll give you something. I'll give you keys of the kingdom. And based on the keys I give you now, whatever you bind will be bound. It is very easy for everybody to bind something. The fact that you are bound, you say bind, doesn't mean it's, bound, it's bounded. The fact that you say loose, doesn't mean it's loose. There are many people who have said bind, I bind, I lose. The more they bind and lose, the more they entangle their life. Because it's not just a matter of saying I bind. It is a, it's based on a certain key you have that you can bind and lose. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting it. Please, do you understand? So binding and loosing is not just a matter of just prayer. It is a key you have that gives you a certain access to be able to deal with either pro prohibiting something or allowing something. It is based on the key. What key do you have? Everybody can say, I bind. Even the unbeliever can say, I bind. I bind this in Jesus' name. I bind this sickness. I bind it. Your binding is based on keys. It's based on keys. And just the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in proper context, this is not just about Peter. This is about anybody who becomes a believer. Because how do you become born again? You have to see the lordship of Jesus Christ and confess his lordship. Immediately you do that, you become born again. Now when you become born again, you are translated into the kingdom of God. By virtue of you coming into the kingdom of God, the Bible said that, except a man be born again, he cannot see. Now look at this. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. It means that it is possible for the kingdom to be there, and yet you are not seeing the influence of the kingdom on you. Do you understand? When a man gets born again, the man is open, because for all you may think, all about life is all that you see around you. Not knowing that, there is a certain kingdom influence that is able to dictate and influence things around you that you have no idea of because you are not born again. But when you get born again, your eye is open to another dimension of life you never knew existed. Except a man be born again, he cannot see it. You can't even recognize it. Please, you can only feel the effects, but you cannot know how it is produced. But when you become born again, you are given the opportunity to be able to see the kingdom. And when you become born again, Jesus said, upon this, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I will give you the keys. So the keys are given to the people who have become born again and who have entered the kingdom. The people who are part of the church, they possess the keys. I will give you the keys. The keys of the kingdom. So the question is, what are keys? If you have your key, you can shake it. This is my key. What do you use your key for? What are keys? You can shake your keys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 22, 22. Quickly. Isaiah 22, 22. Hallelujah. Isaiah 22, 22. Hi there. Thank you. Okay, the key of the house of David, I will lay, I will lay on his shoulder. Shoulder is a place of government. I hope you know that. Yep. The government shall be on his shoulders. So it's a place of government. So I will lay the key on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. It's another way of saying that whatever you bind. So we use keys to open. To open means to permit. 
to close means to disallow or to prohibit. So it is keys that are used to open and to bind and to loose. And the Bible says that I'll give the key. So it's keys. So keys here represent authority. So key means authority. Authority. Keys of the kingdom are the authorities. Authority. Authority. So keys gives you access to be able to close or open, to be able to bind or loose. Okay. So back to our scripture, the Matthew 16. All right. So now, so I'll give you, I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is actually God's influence. Kingdom means the influence. Kingdom actually comes from king and domain. That's the word kingdom. The word is basilia. So kingdom is king and domain. So when you say kingdom, you are talking about the governing influence of a king over a particular territory. I hope you are getting the point. Over a particular territory. So the Bible is saying that I'm going to give you a certain key that will, or keys that will give you access to the authority and the influence of God as far as heaven is concerned, that though you are on earth, but yet you are able to access things in heaven and bring them on, on earth. <laughs> that is too serious. Keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys that will give you access. That will give you the authorization to be able to enforce the governing influence of God from heaven on earth. That is a very serious thing. And that is God's original mind for creating man. That's God's original mind for creating man. Because according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, let us create man in our own image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. So man was created, number one, in the image of God and after his likeness. And then the Bible said, let them have dominion. The word dominion there is basilia. Dominion means authority. Dominion means ruling. So man was created in the image of God to express God and then in, he was given authority to represent God. So every human being who is created in this life, God's original, before the fall of, before man fell in Genesis chapter 3, God's original mindset behind your creation is for you, through your life. God wanted to express himself, number one, and then number two, he wanted you to represent him here. As he does there. You understand? Whatever he is doing in heaven, or whatever, however heaven is, God created man to be an extension of his influence from an unseen realm into a seen realm. Man is the channel through which God's sovereignty or in terms of influence and dominion is supposed to flow through from heaven. So you connect from the unseen realm to the seen realm. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. By your body, you are giving legal grounds to operate on this earth. Therefore, God who is invisible decided that he wants to extend his influence in not just in heaven, but on earth. So he created man so that through the channel of man, God can express himself to the world and represent, man can represent his authority here. Please, are you getting the point? This is who you are. So, under normal circumstance, if there was no fall, what will happen is that 
the earth will become exactly the reflection of heaven. How heaven is, is how earth will have been. That's God's mind. Are you getting the point? How heaven is, that's how earth will have been. Because man was in constant communication with God to determine how he should rule this earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 1, 1, let's look at this. Psalm 1, 1, 5, verse 16. Look at this quickly. Psalm 1, 1, 5, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord. Paul help us to understand that there are three heavens. So the Bible is saying that the heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord. So heaven is where God rules. However, on earth, the Bible says he gave it to the sons of men. Though he's the originator of earth, he's the source of earth, but he has leased it voluntarily for man. Your landlord has built his own house. Then he says that, okay, he has given you just the two-bedroom apartment. So he has leased it to you. Your landlord cannot come and decide what should happen there because you have paid for it. So as long as you stay there, you decide how things should be there. Do you understand? If he doesn't like the way you are handling things, he can just kick you out of the place. But as long as you still stay there, he has a limit to how he can impose himself or his issues. Do you understand the point? Please, are you getting the point? So the same way, it is God who created the heavens and the earth. Then he decided to give earth to man. For man to rule over the earth on his behalf. So man's rulership, dominion, and exercising his authority over the earth is actually in connection with God who is in heaven. So that as long as man knows how things are done there, then he only reflects them here. I, I don't know whether you are getting it. So that you can understand where I'm taking it to. So, earth was given to man so that man will control on behalf of God. That's man's duty. So, God is supposed to be in heaven and looking at earth and is happy because of the way man is ruling. That's nice because he's ruling just like God. So, God does not necessarily have to be on earth to decide how things. Once man is here, it's a done deal. Because anything God wants to do, he can just communicate it to man and man will execute it. Hallelujah. So, for instance, the Ashanti regional minister is here not because of him. It's because of the president. So, the president can be in Accra and he decides, okay, I think that I have a policy direction for Ashanti region. This is how it's supposed to be. The duty of the minister is to liaise with the castle, hear the information and come and implement it. So that the Ashanti region's territory will reflect what the president had been thinking in Accra. Do you understand? Are you getting the point? Please, do you understand? Now let me take it higher. In a higher dimension, you have to understand what it means to be an ambassador. You have to understand an embassy and an ambassador and government. For you to listen, it is not a religion, it's a kingdom. We are not part of religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a kingdom. Please, are you following? So, the ambassador of U.S. to Ghana. When you go to the U.S. embassy, the U.S. embassy is only an extension of U.S. into Ghana. Did you hear what I said? It is an extension of what? 
U.S. in Ghana. So actually, in the U.S. embassy, they don't do things like, no embassy does things like the way, like the country that they are sent to. Every embassy mimic the original country they came from. Please, let's do some governmental studies. Every embassy that is in any country, the country they are sent to, they don't mimic the country. The embassy only runs on the culture, the philosophy, and the principles of the country that he has been sent from. And the duty of the ambassador in a foreign land is to execute and implement the intention and the culture of the country he's coming from in a foreign country. Are you getting the point? So that if you run into the embassy right now, if they are chasing you in Ghana, and you run into the embassy, the laws of Ghana doesn't apply to you again. I hope you know that. Though you are in the U.S. embassy in Ghana, yet the laws that operate there are actually U.S. laws. The constitution that runs there is not, it's not Ghana. Ghana's constitution is U.S. However, that embassy is on the soil of Ghana, yet its constitution is actually the U.S. constitution. So that in Ghana, the embassy is actually a reflection of U.S. So you, you, though you have not been to U.S. before, if you enter as far as governmental system is concerned, if you enter the embassy, you have entered into U.S. actually. That means if you enter the church, you have entered into heaven. You don't understand that. Because the church is the embassy that have been dispatched. Ambassadors have been sent. They have been dispatched here. This is a foreign land that we are here. In, here we have no continuing city. We live in tents. We are sojourners and pilgrims of this earth. We came from somewhere else. We belong to a higher citizen. The Bible says we are citizens of another country. Not here. So when we come here, we are only here for one purpose. We are not here to marry. Neither are we here to achieve things. We are here to come and execute the intention, the policy direction, and the culture of where we are coming from here. So that our marriage is a, is a channel. Our career is a channel. Every other thing concerning our life we want to do here is only a channel for the further advancement of what the king has sent us to come and do here. That's why we came. Am I helping you? Please, you are not. So we are not. No ambassador goes to any country for himself. Because their duty is to go and represent. No ambassador goes to any. The intention of the ambassador in any country is only about the one who sent him. So the U.S. ambassador to Ghana only thinks about U.S things about the president period every decision he's taking every from his anything he does there is not in his interest his interest is secondary the interest of him is the interest of the country he's coming from because within the interest of the country his interest is captured you didn't hear that within the interest of the country his interest is captured his provision, his well-being, his protection and everything is actually encoded and captured in the interest of the assignment, it presupposes that this is what it means. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all other things shall be added. Actually, that's the meaning. As long as the ambassador seeks the interest of the U.S. government, every other thing concerning his life is catered for. Because it is incumbent upon the, um, upon the U.S. government to make sure that if this guy can do his work well here, anything he needs, we have to provide. Because he is on a governmental mission. Every believer who is born again, the Lord sent you on earth on a governmental mission. 
And as long as you stay course, you stay on the course of the mission, everything you need for your life, for your well-being, every other aspect of your life will be catered for. This is how serious it is. Am I helping someone? Yeah. Are you getting the point? Because I'm taking it so much so that you understand. So when the U.S. ambassador to Ghana gets to Ghana, he only has to establish contact with the White House. He's giving policy direction, things he's supposed to come and do. In case anything goes wrong in Ghana, he's supposed to signal White House. To hear, the ambassador doesn't do anything until he hears. And everything the ambassador does here is like the, 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 the president of the U.S. have done it. Whatever he allows here is allowed there. Now, I'm, I'm explaining this scripture to you. Whatever he permits as an ambassador here, the U.S. government, government approves it. Whatever he disallowed is disallowed. So what it, it's not, it is not actually in U.S. It means that it is a backing. U.S. is backing anything he decides here. This is what it means. Every child of God who comes to understand this and know who you are, as far as God's system and kingdom is concerned anything you permit here it means that god approves of it so to say you bind here and heaven bounds means that once you bind here god approves of it it means god backs you that's what it means it is not because you are making changes there no it is because heaven is giving you full support so that the changes can be effected here hallelujah 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 and the reason why this is too important to God, that every believer must come to this level of consciousness, is because the kingdom of God is not advancing. Because many people don't understand this mindset. They don't have this mindset. They don't understand this thing. Many people are only busy for their life, but not busy for the kingdom. God does not have people. He only has people who are using him for what they want. But Jesus said, I will give you keys that whatever you permit here will be permitted. And whatever you, are, you disallow will be disallowed. But this focus is because of the church and because of his kingdom. So Jesus said that if you want to pray, this is the pattern of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth. Jesus in this prayer, Matthew chapter 6, is revealing to us something. Verse 9, quickly. Matthew 6, 9. How many of you are being blessed? How many of you are learning something? Matthew 6, 9. Just give me like 10 minutes to finish this. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. God has a will. God has a policy direction. For your life, for your family, for your country, for every aspect of this life. God has a set, a set formulated policy that is supposed to be executed here called his will. So he's saying that your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. There are so many wills God has in heaven which is supposed to be executed here. But God doesn't have people. God doesn't have. So the will of God is locked up in heaven. And God is looking for people who will allow. Because God by himself cannot just come here and invade here. If he has to come and invade, he has to use man. 
because God does not break protocol. Though he is sovereign, but it appears as if God is limited if we don't pray. Though he is sovereign. That's why some of you will say, eh, I don't see why my family is suffering like that. I don't see why, why, why is everything, if God is the one in charge, hey, please, God is not the one in charge of anything. God is not the one in charge of anything. Didn't you read? The heavens and heaven belongs to God. In heaven, there's no trouble. The last time there was trouble, they sacked the guy from heaven. The last time there was trouble in heaven, the guy was sacked. And the Bible said that, Rejoice, O ye heavens. Why? Because that troubler had been, had been thrown down. So the Bible said, Rejoice. Then the Bible said, Woe, woe, et. According to Revelation chapter 12. Oh, you didn't read that? Okay, Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> How many of you are gaining some understanding? So that we can, because I want us to put our prayer in perspective. Because the kind of prayer God desires us to pray, most of us are far away from that prayer. It's not prayer for, I need a husband. It's not part of it. That is, that is the last thing on your prayer list. As far as, Kingdom prayer is concerned. Yourself is not the first thing. Things, any prayer pertaining to you, what you want, what you want, is that, that is too low. No, 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 no. That's not it. Prayer that pertains to you, what you want, you want this. All your prayer is full of yourself. All your prayer topics has only you. When everything has been said and done, then two minutes, then you conclude with Lord, save, save souls. Father, I pray for missionary, missionaries in China. Please, can you give me the scripture? What scripture was I referring to? Revelation 12. How many of you are getting what I'm saying? Because I'm teaching you the place of kingdom and how to enforce. Loosing and binding is not just binding demons. No, no. It's, 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 you have to, there's a certain level of understanding you must have. Because it operates on the principle of an ambassador. A kingdom and an ambassador. That's how it operates. Have you seen? Oh, oh let's, let's read the story. It's a nice story. Let's start from 10. Okay, so, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accuses them before, before our God day and night, had been cast down. See, the guy was a troublemaker there. And the heaven was rejoicing. Can you imagine? He said, now comes salvation and power and strength. When the guy left, he said, salvation has come. Power has come. Strength has come. Oh, you didn't read that one? Verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9. That means that if this guy is not dealt with in your family, there's no wonder your family is like that. If he's not dealt with in the nation, no wonder the nation is like that. Because this guy... <laughs> So the great dragon was cast down. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, and he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Look at this guy. He had angels. His angels. Meanwhile, he didn't create an angel. That's what deception can do. Anyway. All right, so I've read this already. So let's go to the next. And overcame him. Let's go to the next one. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. See, please, let's read. I beg you, let's read. Therefore, 
So the Bible has established something for you. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? For the devil has come down to you. Having great wrath. Because he knows that he's, he has a short time. <laughs> Forever, O oh God, your will and your word is settled in heaven. It's settled there. The devil has been cast out there. The reason why we must enforce the policy directions of heaven and the will of God here is because there's a guy here who will not allow freely for the will of God to just be executed until God finds a people who will know who they are and take their place and put the guy where he belongs. Do you understand? Concerning your family, concerning your nation, concerning any aspect of your life, things will not just happen to you and happen for you like that. It doesn't work like that. You must know who you are and for enforce it. I hear what I'm saying. Those of you are whatever will be will be. It's not true. Whatever will be will not be. Whatever will be will not be. <laughs> whatever because the Bible has told you something. Let thy will be done here as it is there. There are many people, the will of God concerning their life. If God gives you a revelation concerning how their life is supposed to, what God's plan for their life is supposed to be in heaven, what is supposed to be here, is documented in heaven. If God opens your eyes to see the, the mind of God concerning people's life and the kind of life they are living. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are families that are living contrary to that which God has determined in his mind. But all these things are in the books of heaven concerning them. And there's no man or woman rising up to take his place, to enforce it. That this, no will of God in heaven is meant for heaven. It's meant for that. It's meant for here. For the earth. Am I helping someone? Am I helping someone? Could it be possible that in the books of God concerning your life, the original plan and the original manuscript of God, as far as your life, as far as your family, as far as even this school is concerned, could it be possible that there are a lot of great plans God has which have been locked in the book because nobody is standing up to enforce his will here. Therefore, many people's life are living contrary to what God expects. Could it be that the way CMF, the medical school in Confanochi, as far as God's plan is concerned, could it be that the medical school in Confanochi, the situation on ground, is not a true reflection of what God meant it to be? Could it be? Am I helping someone? Could it be that the way your family is, as far as God's plan is concerned, is way contrary? Could it be? It will not just happen because it must happen. It will not just happen because you want it to happen. It will happen because there are people who must know who they are and decide that we want to enforce this policy because heaven is waiting for the earth to do something so that it will respond. Whatever you bind, that means that hey, heaven wants to do a lot of things as far as this earth is concerned. Any area of this earth, as long as you are here, there are too many things heaven wants to do. But heaven cannot just do it, cannot just wake up and do it because the inhabitants of the earth must invoke a certain spiritual bottom so that heaven can respond. And the Bible said, the key is not the heavens, the key is the earth. If the earth does not do anything about the situation, Heaven will do nothing about the situation. Not because heaven doesn't want to do something, 
but because the earth is not giving heaven permission to do something. Am I helping someone? I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know I'm talking to someone. Stop waiting on God. God is waiting for you. You are waiting on God. He's also waiting for you. Waiting for you to do something about your family. Waiting for you to do something about the nation. Waiting for you to do something as far as the body of Christ here. The influence of God in the medical school is concerned. Waiting for you. But the reason why we don't see the move of God and the kingdom of God dominating into many, dominating many places is because majority of the prayers which are lifted up, they are not kingdom prayers. They are selfish prayers. That's why we don't see the possibilities of God when it comes to his kingdom taking over a territory. Because too, many people are too busy dealing with their personal life that the interest of the kingdom is not at hand as far as their life is concerned. This is why we are not seeing anything. People like Daniel in Babylon, they had a very sensitive position. But the Bible said that he understood by books that the nation have overstayed their period. If it's today, there are people who got sent into a place, a position, open a door for them, and they're only concerned about themselves. Whatever happened to the other people, they don't mind. Esther went into a kingdom, privileged by God to be there, because whatever God will do for you, and whatever opportunity God opens for you, is bigger than you. It's not just about you. But unfortunately, many people get into places and into opportunities, and they forget why they are there. They only look at themselves, and they stay there. Forgetting that they are coming from a kingdom and they are all sent as ambassadors. Could it be if all the ambassadors of other nations to this country are only thinking about themselves, do you think their country will advance? Think about it. It's only in the church that all the ambassadors are only comfortable in their comfort zone. And they, are not, they don't even have any idea that God has a certain plan he wants to execute. If all your needs are met, God is not totally happy just by meeting your needs. If all your needs in this life are met, God, will he will rejoice. But the heart of God is that he has some plans that must be done here. Your need is a small aspect of God's plan. Did you hear what I said? That's why the Bible seek first the kingdom. Why do you think we seek first? He didn't say seek first, you, seek first yourself. That's not what the scripture says. For the kingdom to sponsor every area of your life, you have to make it a priority. It's not what you say, it's what you do. It's not what you are saying. Everybody can talk, God. But Daniel lifted up a prayer. He was fine. Daniel was fine oh, where he was. He was a governor, for God's sake. He was occupying a sensitive position. But he discovered from the book of God that there was a policy direction and the will of God concerning the children of Israel in Babylon, they've overstayed. The 70 years have passed. He said, no, I'm not going to eat again. I'm going to spend about some time to seek God because this thing is not supposed to be so. But the Bible said that when they began to seek the face of God, after 21 days, an angel was sent. And the angel said that, oh, this thing that you saw, long time ago I've been dispatched. Immediately you decided to pray, God sent me. That means that, hey, there are many answers that must change families. There are many answers that must change certain territories. There are many things that is supposed to happen to certain places by this time, as far as God's plan is concerned, but it's because people are too busy. While God is waiting to release an answer, nobody is triggering the answer. Nobody on the atrium is striking a chord in the spirit to allow the release. So the angel said that, the day you made up your mind, I was sent. That means that all along, heaven was just waiting. 
for a willing man or a willing woman to peep into the archives of God and draw out his plan for it. Say, no, we have overstayed this place. No, CMF is not supposed to be like this. No. There is a certain revival that must hit this campus. We've not seen it for the, for the past five years. That's not happened. What is going wrong? And people dedicating themselves to say that, Lord, I put my life on the altar. That this thing must happen. I know that I'm not just passing through here. But through me, you can execute, you can execute some policy directions that you have there here. So Jesus said that when you pray, the first thing after adoring him is forget about your need. That's not the first thing. He was giving you the structure of prayer. So the first thing, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he said, the next thing, thy kingdom come. When your kingdom come, now your will, because the will of God takes effect in his kingdom. It takes the kingdom. He didn't say that I will be that, then I cannot come. No. It's, thy kingdom come. Let your influence come. Then let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that the will is already settled in heaven. But it is supposed to be executed here. So any man or woman who gains access to a king, you gain access to a revelation of God concerning something in his book that is supposed to happen here. And you stand on that to permit or disallow. Keys are not just authority. Authority that are afforded by revelation. That when God shows you that, no, we have overstayed this place, you take hold of that authority, that key, and decide that the earth must respond to that which has already been determined by the council of heaven. God is asking tonight, who can we send? And who can go for us? Everything is already done. The book is already sealed. But we are just waiting for someone that we can send. My prayer is that this conference or this half night will stir a strong prayer burden. A prayer which is not just based on me, what I want, where I must be, and all those things. But a prayer which is because, hey, you are part of something bigger than yourself. You don't understand. You are part of something bigger than yourself. All that you are concerned about for your life is only a small fraction of what he is concerned about. And he has assured you that as far as you make what he is concerned about a priority, automatically yours will be met. As far as God is concerned, seeking your own interest is difficult. Seek his interest, then automatically he will be committed to yours. That means that Whatever you are doing in whatever field, whether you are a student, you are a worker, whatever you are doing, your greatest interest in what you are doing is actually his interest in what you are doing. So if you are studying, it's not just because you just want to study to be a medical doctor. Why do you want to be a medical doctor? Why are you studying? The, 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 the passion, the things you are doing is actually propelled by a certain motive, which is his kingdom. And as long as you are committed like that, have you forgotten? He gave these four young men wisdom and understanding in all literature. And every question they asked them, they were found ten times better. These were students in the University of Babylon. However, the Bible said that God gave them something. Because the guys were so much concerned about God and what he has to do, that God could not afford because he knew that their education has a role to play in what he wants to do. You didn't understand that. God knew that there are things you want to use Daniel for. And his schooling in Babylon, he has to position him strategically in certain positions. So he has to pass his exam. So God was committed to everything that Daniel was committed to. Because when you make God's priority your priority, your priority becomes his priority. When the person who decides, if you are appointed as an ambassador, 
by a government. When you make his priority your priority, the government automatically is committed to you. If this is how worldly men are so faithful with people they appoint, what makes you think about God, who is the most faithful person in this universe? He's more committed to you. That when you make his interest your interest and decide to legislate, listen, the church is ecclesia. Ecclesia is a group of people who are called out from the masses and they form an assembly to decide policy direction and legislate. Their duty is to legislate. When you say ecclesia, it's church, is the Greek word for church, which means people who are called, called from tribe, called from families, called from nations, and they form what we call an assembly. Like the way we have Congress. The ecclesia are actually Congress that is made up of men and women who have gathered together to legislate on behalf of the government. So actually, what happens in the, what do you call it, parliament? This what, that's what the church is. The parliament is a representation of individuals who have come from various areas to represent the interest of their constituency there in order for the policy directions that they are deliberating on to be implemented wherever they are. Therefore, whenever we come together as a church, as an ecclesia, we are actually, some of us are representing continent. Some of us are representing families. Some of us are representing a sector. And when we come together, God is, God is lining us up to his policy direction for that area, empowering you in check so that you stand up and when you go back, you can enforce his policy direction. Let thy kingdom come here and let your will be done here as it is there. So anytime God opens you up to what is there, your duty is to enforce it here because God will not do it. It is your duty. He only opens you up to what is there. Then you now enforce it here. That's what it means to bind and lose. To bind and lose has nothing to do with your personal things. It's bigger than that. Because when, when the interest of God becomes your interest, automatically, there are things you don't need to pray for. He does it for you. Yes. And when you continue, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he comes. The next verse, look at this. The last part. The next verse, 11. And give us this day our daily bread. So thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next verse says that, and give us this day our daily bread. And why is it saying that? So as far as goes, the priority in prayer is, it doesn't start, it doesn't start with your need. Though God is interested in your need, but the topmost interest of God has to do with His interest, His will. Prayer is not a channel to just meet your need. Prayer is the topmost priority of prayer. Apart from fellowship, is prayer is a channel for God to execute His intention on earth. That's the order. You see, He addressed kingdom first and His will first. Then after that, give us this day. Your necessity is after kingdom priority. It's not the other way around. The things that concern you, which God is interested in, but his topmost interest, you have to arrange it well. It is his interest. Tell your neighbor, God has an interest. There are too many policies. Tell the person, there are too many policies that God has formulated in heaven. That has to be executed 
here on earth. This is why he gives us keys. Keys to access the kingdom. Go into his archives and determine what should happen here and what should not happen here. Determine what should happen in the family and what should not happen in the family. Determine what should happen in the territory and not to what should not happen in the territory. Determine what should happen in your fear of influence and what should also not happen there. So we are the ones who have been sent to decide what happens and what should not happen. This is the authority you carry. It's not in your age. It's not in your size. It is just in knowing who you are and how to activate who you are to achieve what God wants you to achieve. This evening, God is calling for people who will legislate on his behalf, who will bind here. What has been bound there already? There are things that must not happen again. There are things that must... So that's why, how, how, how do you trigger that realm? The best example is someone like Elijah. The Bible says he's a man who, who is like passion like we are. The Bible says he prayed earnestly that it should not rain. He did not rain. And he prayed again. He closed the heavens and opened the heavens. Everyone who has the key as a child of God, you have what it takes to close the heaven over a territory and open the heavens over a territory. This is who you are. This is how serious you are. This is how powerful you are. People can reject your words, but they can never reject your influence in prayer. It's impossible. People can decide not to mind what you see, but as long as you know how to pray and know how to enforce God's will, people cannot escape it. Your greatest level of influence is according to your level of prayer as a believer. Is key. Prayer, not just praying for your need, but prayer where the interest of God becomes your interest. This is the prayer ministry of the church. God's interest is your interest. And automatically, your interest is captured in his interest. It will appear as if you are, sometimes, listen, sometimes you go into your closet, you want to, you have some more serious things you want to pray about. Mortally, some wild things you want to pray about. <laughs> that is eating you up. Sometimes you open your mouth and start praying, you think you are praying about those things. As far as God's agenda for that day you came to pray is concerned, that is not what is on the list. The Holy Ghost will not, God will just divert your prayer like that. Because as far as, <laughs> you, are, you don't understand. Maybe <laughs> you are praying by exams, like you, you, next week you write a book, Shabala, Shaka Prata, Lord my exam, Kibala's, and the Holy Ghost knows that someone is dying somewhere. You have, so listen to me. <laughs> Sometimes you think you are praying about your need. And at that particular point in time, if you are sensitive to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is okay, close. So don't, you, are going to, you have decided I'm going to pray one hour. This one hour prayer, you have arranged that. I'll pray about this. I'll pray about prayer. About, okay. So everything has to do with you. Sometimes you can step into prayer. And immediately you start, the Holy Ghost says, stop, stop there, stop. That's not important. You are worried about so many things. One thing is needful. Then the Holy Ghost will direct your prayer for another thing. And it will hurt you. But if you understand the ways of God, what you could have prayed one hour about, that would have taken you five years to achieve. After you settle his case, it will take you less than five years. God can do it for you in one second. That's how it is. I don't know whether you are getting it. Some of the things you are struggling with for yourself and all those things. Actually, if you align with the Spirit of God, there are some of the things that will have taken you a long time to achieve and all those things. If you align with the Spirit of God, there are some of those things. You don't need to work for it. The Lord will bring it to you. They become reward. It's true. It's not an answer to your prayer. It's a reward God gives you. 
for your faithfulness in executing his policy direction. How many of you have been blessed? Have you learned something? I see the eyes of people are, heavy, are very heavy, so I can't continue with what I want to say. But for now, I think that this is what matters that you have to get. My prayer is that God will raise us, put his, his burden on our hearts, that we will not fail God. We will not fail God. We will not fail God. So many people are praying, but few people are praying about God's interest. So many people are fasting, but few people are fasting about God's interest. So many churches and fellowships are springing up, but few people are concerned about what matters to God. But our prayer is that, oh God, purge our desires. Purge our interest and give us your burden. Not my will be done. Not my will be done. Not my will, Lord. Not my will. This is still CMF Digital. We hope you've been blessed by this life-transforming message. Join us again next time. Know Christ, make him known. Knowing Christ, making him known. The health profession for Christ.